This week's movie of the week is Sylvester Stallone's Rocky. American treasure, Sylvester Stallone's Rocky. Throwback. Throwback. There's a reason for this, though. Yeah. Namely, number one, there's not a single movie that came out this weekend that anyone thought was going to be good. Or, and that was that turned out to be true. <laughs> I, was, I was telling In Jason, your opinion. Yeah. <laughs> Jay, I was I was texting uh, our our buddy here right before the show, and the the three movies that came out in wide release this week, the the total combined score of those three films was a ninety five percent on Rotten Tomatoes. So, you know, that's so good. one of them was ninety percent, two of them were two <laughs> percent. Sure. sure, I think the thirty three was the highest at forty two percent. So, congratulations oh, wow. to that film. That kind of came out of nowhere. That movie, and yeah. not surprisingly, because it. Yeah, it was bad, but mm-hmm. yep, yep, yep. Tend not to hear and, much about and, those things till they come out. Like, yeah. Wow, like Rock the Casbah. Wow, right. It just yep. came and went, didn't it? <laughs> it sure, sure did. Gosh, <laughs> Jim and the, Jim and the holograms just kind of came and went. Didn't it? <laughs> that was one of the a lot of commercials. We that need to talk took about that this. studio down, dude. Like that was such a huge disaster. Now, now the now you see me two poster is going to say from the director of Step Up. G.I. Joe and Jim and the Holograms comes <laughs> Now You See Me Too. Gosh. The second how, act. Man. How mm, mm. It, <laughs> it's not great when you are a major downgrade from Louis Ledier. Like that's that's not a great piece of uh of hype for your career, I guess. Our guest tonight is Jason Davidson, who has been on the show numerous times before. Welcome back, Jason. Hello. Glad R- to be here. Richard is at sea. Yep. He's for sailing. Good. With any luck for good. <laughs> and uh Jason, I believe you were first in line for the Jim of the Holograms movie. If I'm not <laughs> no mistaken. Well, as soon as I saw the first trailer, I started calling my local AMC every day at noon <laughs> asking if the tickets were available just in case because I didn't want to miss the opportunity. <laughs> I mean, uh so much of my childhood was watching uh, you know, the the that Bigfoot you know, monster truck cartoon that also had Jim and the holograms and mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. weird, like robotics thing. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, how could I, how could I miss out on the chance to see uh, a yeah. Jim and the, uh, the misfits Man. and all of the uh, shenanigans. So Gosh, it, I, I wondered if you would skip out on that movie just out of spite because they turned you down for the role of Jim. That's, I yeah. thought that was a big well, deal I, for you. I think, I think we all knew it was going to be a little bit against type, but I, I definitely practiced my songs and I looked banging in that wig. <laughs> yeah. I refused to see that movie because of my, uh, my Josie and the Pussycats tattoo. <laughs> you got to pick one tied. Yeah. yeah. You can't, Look, what, not, what was you can't the be a Rotten... Packers fan yeah. and a Bears fan. Exactly. You, know? yeah. you got a big sides. What was the Rotten Tomatoes on, on Jim? I never even looked. 1%. I, I mean, it was, <laughs> was good. Great. 20 right now is oh, what it's sitting at. That seems high. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> Take a guess. Total box office on Jim and the Holograms. I'm going to go uh I'm going to aim high and I'm going to say 12 million. Kent? 3 million. Oh, very close. 2.2 million. Cool. Worldwide. Was it, World was it wide? Yes, it was How many the, theaters did it get? 
Yeah, okay. I want you to guess on that too. Take a guess. <laughs> uh, oh. thirty-five hundred theaters. Okay. In the U.S. What? Twelve hundred? Fifteen hundred? Twenty-four. Twenty-four hundred theaters. Good grief! An average of five hundred. <laughs> five hundred seventy dollars opening weekend. Is that is that good? I don't. That is good. That's actually very good. What's weird we that they took it out of theaters. Let that that's guy direct really the franchise. Good. Yeah. Oh, that's so sad. many people work so hard. I always feel bad laughing at them that hard. But no. good <laughs> grief! Imagine in those scenarios. Just imagine the CG artist that spent just a year, just frame by frame, animating that thing, yeah. and just yeah. knowing it's terrible, and just it comes yeah. out and it makes no money. It just having your name attached to that at that point, just you feel like you said. You feel bad for those people at that point. <laughs> yeah, but you take the credit no matter how bad it is. It's still IMDb. It's still it's – who, still... who would have thought that that wouldn't work? I mean Sheesh, I just can't believe man. that that wouldn't be huge. Oh, man. With that talent behind it. What a great decision. And all those well-known actors attached. Yeah. I mean just... – And that well-known property that everybody's yes. flocking to see. Exactly. Yeah. Merch, yeah, Jim merch is just flying off the shelves. Like it really is. Well, all of those people you go to like Target and it's just Jim, Jim, Jim. Well, all those people like me who are pushing forty, who actually remember the original. You know, I, I'm pretty sure the movie was aimed at us because it looked like it. Yeah. yeah. Jason and I know a few a few women who were excited about the movie, <laughs> but then didn't go see it. So yeah. it's their fault, really. Hey, they could have had six hundred per. Uh, well, six hundred in a theater. <laughs> Yeah. Those people went. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Okay. Hey guys, can I take a moment and 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 wish a happy birthday? Huh? Yeah, sure. Because um, it is American Treasure Martin Scorsese's seventy third birthday. Oh, happy birthday, Marty! Outstanding. Birthday, Marty. Also, Rachel McAdams' thirty seventh birthday. Thank you for the thank you note. He sent us or two hundred and thirty seventh. He sent us a thank you note for the vest that yeah. we sent him in honor of his American Treasure standing uh, citizenship. It's yeah. actually a denim vest. If right. you haven't heard before, Ooh, by the way, we need, we need to talk America Treasures next week. When Richard I know returns. we're behind, we keep delaying it. Yep, we we're will behind. do that next eventually. Week when Richard gets back, Ooh. it's weird that they took Jim out of the theaters. They also took, I believe, the Steve Jobs movie completely out of theaters as well. Yeah, that's sad. sad. Uh, did you see it, Jason? Uh, I wanted to. I didn't get to it when I had the opportunity, and I've been kind of buried uh, since then, so I haven't had the chance. I want to. Yeah, we did an episode on it. Really enjoyed it, and it's sad that that didn't make a make yeah. a bigger impact. Maybe it'll get a second release when some Oscar buzz. Do uh, you think it took? Up. And you might have covered this. Do you think it took a hit because uh, of the whole? Is it a biopic? Is it not? Kind of deal. No, we thought it took a hit just because Steve Jobs has been um, done three times, done before. fifty times in the past two years in right. yeah. various documentaries in the various. Uh, you know, Pirates of Silicon Valley. I know that's older, but and also the Kutcher movie and things. It's just people are like another one, you know. Yeah. And it's yeah. kind of they didn't realize it would be good. I don't think. I and, think a lot yeah. of people were waiting for the Criterion Collection version of the Kutcher. <laughs> you had pre-ordered it though, yeah, Brian. So yeah, so two different kind of scenarios in the past month. Two very different reasons uh, for yeah. them. But yeah, I believe we'll be talking one, about that, jobs later. Steve Jobs. In the year. It always is odd, though, when a studio completely cuts ties with the film, like completely throws in the towel and, and mm-hmm. says it's not making any more money in theaters that we care about. Yeah. It's not worth even putting in theaters anymore. Yeah. No. Very early. Very sad. Actually not for uh, Jim. 
Please stop. Please stop trying these. <laughs> these yeah. property. I mean, we've covered it. We've there's, covered it. There's go, beloved go. and yeah. then there's forgotten. And we just mm-hmm. keep like, yeah. I don't know, screwing up that line. Like, I don't, I don't know. It was a very small target audience that was really excited. About or, or you have to reinvent. I mean, because you look yeah. at the, uh, you look at 21 Jump Street, you know, if you're going to do a, a franchise, go just a right. completely different direction from what it was on, on screen. I think that's probably that's a good point, and that's probably why we keep getting some of these films is because Twenty One and Twenty Two Jump Street are so good. But they forgot several things: one, um, Jonah Hill; two, Channing Tatum; and yeah. three, Lord and Miller. Like these are major important yeah. parts of why that those two movies worked really well, were financially successful and well received critically. So it's tough to. Tough to go the, <laughs> that route when you're uh, not, you don't have any you're not bringing any of those things to the table. Yeah. So this might put the Robert uh, Rodriguez Johnny Quest movie on hold for the time being, <laughs> which is actually happening, by the way, not a joke. Oh, and Johnny Quest. I watched so much Johnny Quest. So did I. I wouldn't see the movie though. I don't think. Yes. Rumors and rumbling. That's awesome. Let the filibustering begin. What do we got for movie news, though? Well, Kent, Jason, yes. Richard's not here, but uh, I think he's here in spirit because yes. you know what? Even when they're gone, even when they're at sea, you never turn your back on family. Getting more Fast and the Furious, guys. More. We're getting some spinoffs. We're getting like a uh, an MCU sort of thing going on. They're gonna do some. Uh, gonna do a, a, a The Rock spinoff with this. It looks like. <laughs> gonna get some some character standalone films this thing's going global baby we're gonna keep on churning these things out for probably the rest of our lives it looks like well what was the final uh seven made a billion worldwide yeah yeah and uh i was reading that uh they do not that seven made a billion worldwide and it's the first film that made it to china so they still have all the money from one through six that they can re-release in those oh, in those countries now that seven's been such a splash wow well wow. five six 1.5 billion worldwide right now yeah yes wow. so so diesel dropped this because diesel a is kind of the i don't know the the patriarch of the fast and furious family and b he is so key to that franchise that I don't think Universal can make him be quiet. And so he just says whatever he wants to say. And then they have to kind of scramble and like, oh, uh, yeah, OK, yeah, we're going to do that. You know, do you um, think we're going to get a ludicrous Tyrese buddy, gosh, cop, buddy, so. spy movie? <laughs> gosh, I I think they this will. Is, yeah, this is the stuff of my dream. <laughs> I think that's what they mean by spinoffs. Like, yeah, that's yeah. that that's going to be one. It, I think the Hobbs one is is first. That's that's the Rock's character. Yeah, that's got to be your first spinoff because that has the no maybe Dom stuff. and Co. and it's just about Dom and his shop and his barbecues <laughs> and just the solo Dom yeah. movie. That's yeah, what I, I want. want. What I wanted, what I really want, is the prequel with Dom's dad. Yeah. Like that's where that's where. Well, didn't they say go. prequel? I thought I saw that. The, the, I think all things are are open. Off. I think I think all of them are out there. Like any option that you can think if of. If we could do a Back to the Future style with Dom, oh, and God. he's driving a car, eighty-eight miles an hour, <laughs> goes Back to the Future, and it's younger Dom, and then he and he goes uh, Back to the Future and meets older Dom. Who could play old Dom? An well, older, older. Dom. By the time we get to it, yeah. Bruce Willis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Bruce Willis is old Dom. 
Richard and I have, uh, have long held to the the idea that what needs to happen in this franchise is uh, is that Stallone comes in as Dom's dad, and oh. he he didn't really die. He actually had to go join the Expendables. He just <laughs> totally crossed those universes over. I, you know, this will come up later, but I don't think Stallone would be opposed to that at all. Yeah, you know, they kind of had this like this sort of a, not really a feud, but they were competing for the same actors for a while, yeah. and but Fast won so hard with Statham and uh, and Kurt Russell, and so now why not? Like, let's just merge these two things. Or together. or. It's Dom. It's Dom's dad is Sylvester Stallone, and he's Rambo. When you cross Rambo, hey, yeah, it, it all works. I, I'm not Everyone. complaining. And then just, his and then his uncle Stallone is the Terminator, dad. and then you have the Terminator <laughs> fighting Dom. Yeah, and it's just somehow big, Alien and Predator get mixed yeah. in. And yeah, you wait. know what I find really interesting though about the uh, Fast and the Furious deal is you know you look at Star Wars, you look at the MCU as the uh, you know and DC too uh, as these. Uh, franchises that are doing the same thing with side movies, sequels, spinoffs, everyone coming together uh, like these, these cinematic universes. But uh, Fast and the Furious is just the movies. Like it doesn't have the comic book base. It doesn't have the 20 years of 30 years, 40 years of lore Mm -hmm. uh, of, of star Wars, of all of the side projects and video games this entire universe exists strictly cinematically. Like the, the all of Canon is completely cinematic and I'm not aware of anyone else. That's, that's the only one of its kind, if I'm not mistaken. And that's, that's really interesting to me. It's, it's a fascinating, somebody needs to make a documentary on the fast franchise because it's what they've been able to do over the course of 15 years is fascinating. I mean, it's, it's, it's unlike anything else, I don't think. How, There's, how much of, and this is debatable, and we should have the debate now, how much of the $1.5 billion <laughs> it was, oh, this is Paul Walker's last one, I have to go see it? Because I don't know yeah. if the general public knew, A, how much knew was, that he died, or B, would see it for that reason, you know, or I, if they I, really I wanted to go see it. Right. I think it gave it a bump. Yeah. But it this movie made How twice significant as much. was the bump though. Yeah. The movie made twice as much as Fast Six. Right. But Fast Six, I believe, made quite a bit more than Fast Five. So I think there's a natural build. It wouldn't surprise me if Fast Eight or Furious Eight or whatever they're gonna call it, if that dropped down to, you know, maybe one point two billion, you know, or something like that. If it took a little bit of a dip. Right. But I don't think that we're too close to the point where these films don't make bank every single time they come out. Well, and, and going back to China, uh, I just looked here, and after 15 days, it had made $326 million in China. And like I had mentioned earlier, they, they didn't have six or one. They didn't have any of the other films, so the Paul Walker thing is a non-starter for how much money it made right. uh, in China. And I would guess that that's the story for most of the international, uh, that, they're, they're, that the Paul Walker might not have even been – a narrative they may not have known they might have just thought the ending was kind of weird yeah yeah so, so i just saw that specter crossed 500 million worldwide man it's already made half a billion dollars and it's the biggest opening ever in china by the way wow really wow that's crazy like yeah. a huge opening crazy. in china <laughs> apparently daniel craig is very popular in china <laughs> and so i guess more daniel craig <laughs> bond movies on the way yeah. Do either of you watch um, last week tonight the John Oliver show? Yes. 
Yes, I saw they that were, when they brought yeah, him to China. Uh, yeah. Uh, Alibaba did a – they have this Singles Day thing over there, which is kind of like Black Friday but just amped up for them, and it's called Singles Day where they celebrate the singles in China. And uh, Alibaba, which if you don't know what that is, it's kind of Amazon.com but but over there. And uh, they brought out celebrities, and they brought out Daniel Craig more or less as James Bond. I, I don't even know what for. They just brought him out on stage as a part of the celebration, and he looked – miserable and awkward <laughs> and just so unhappy it's incredible like, by the way you're flying to china tonight to be on stage it's like what am i doing it's <laughs> an 18-hour flight i don't care <laughs> crazy gosh and now you know so why that, he hates amazing. being james bond right. yeah yes i have a movie yeah. news item we need to discuss before we bring move it on with, let's with do tonight's it, show for the three of us i need to cue up the music here because we are officially one month away from Star Wars. Yes. Yes, yes. So excited. We're the 18th of November on the 18th of December. Basically, one month from right now, fellas, we will be sitting in the theater witnessing history. Either good history or bad history. We don't know yet. Brian will be wrapping. Brian and I will be wrapping up viewing one. And yep. trying to plot how we were going to get to viewing two on time. Yep, we'll be meeting Kent there. Because you know, Jason, we've had this discussion on the show. You know, you're going to have to be a designated driver for Brian because he's going to have passed out after. Yeah, I was just listening up. to that. That I'm the designated driver yep. for yes. uh, for for driving up there. You're going to have IMAX. to keep your eyes closed half the movie so that you don't pass out. Well, yeah, <laughs> I was going to say. I don't. Maybe that's what we do, Brian. You know, maybe uh, we just hire an Uber. There's. <laughs> Well, I was going to say we each pick a you half. You should Uber. You should Uber to Star Wars just because you don't know how you're going to react emotionally. You don't know you're going to be able to drive home. That, that's better than my idea. If we each watch half of the movie <laughs> so that we Jeez. can recover. Man, what a great day, guys. What a great day. I'm so excited. I have gone completely dark. Like, I have not seen any of the TV spots even. I've seen the two theatrical trailers or the teaser in the trailer. And uh, at that point, I've gone dark. I've gone dark on articles, all the Japanese footage. I haven't even seen the TV spots. Uh, Like, it's so close. I'm just – I'm really committing to getting into the theater as clean as possible. I only know two character names at this point even. Uh, Like, I'm I'm kind of excited that I've been able to – keep as dark on this as possible as far as plot concerns and uh character names and even even supporting cast like i am i'm very excited i'm gonna get into this pretty clean i think it's awesome what are your thoughts on the level what are your thoughts on the ones you have seen then oh my god let's go down this road while we can again for the fourth time this year (laughs) (sighs) they're just incredible I, i was telling brian the part that just killed me the very first time i saw it and and i actually I'll, I'll admit I got a little emotional. The first time I saw the, uh, the 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 original trailer, and I realized who was talking, like this thought went into my head: I'm hearing Luke Skywalker again. Like, and it and it did things to me. Like, it actually impacted me emotionally to like hear Luke again because I've heard Mark Hamill plenty of times, you know, and, and seen him on things, and even saw him in person once. But like hearing him speak as Luke Skywalker, words that I had never heard before, like it 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 made the new movies real in like 
reminded me how much I loved this and how much a part of my childhood it was and how excited I am to be able to experience it again. And um, I, I know that's kind of a weird highlight because there's so much there's so much action in there. Um, the fact that BB-8 is practical just kills me. The TIE fighter taking shots and taking close range shots at human beings and you're watching the explosions is just thrilling. The high speed, slow speed chase with the Falcon and the TIE fighters is just magnificent to watch. And like, uh, it's, it's, it, it's just soaring is the only way I can think of it. Just, just seeing the, that blend of action and speed and seeing Han and Chewie again, like there's so much nostalgia attached with excitement for what's new. Um, all the different times you get to see, Oh no, I forgot his name. Oh, the, 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 the storm fort, <laughs> the stormtrooper, not Daisy. What's his name? Oh, Finn. Finn. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I was about to make a joke of all the times you get to see him pop into frame looking afraid, right? Uh, which is plenty of them. Um, and then, and then watching the uh, Kylo Ren stalking him down, and the lightsabers all come on. It's just, it's incredible. And uh, you know, you, I know it's just a trailer, but when you see that level of craft and care in a trailer. Yeah, you know it makes me not afraid, and because I'm a giant nerd, I was listening to the, um, the director's commentary on on one of the two Star Trek movies that JJ directed, and I can't remember which one it was. Uh, it's I guess it was the second one because it's when they're in that junk field and they're firing uh, everybody out of the ship to go to the derelict ship and yeah. all that. Uh, and he starts talking about JJ on the commentary for Star Trek starts talking about how he's always been more of a Star Wars fan than a Star Trek fan. And if he's willing to have that much love for it, mm -hmm. to talk about the one franchise while actively working on the other one, right. you know, I, I wasn't that nervous to begin with. And then seeing the level of work and the fact that it went practical for the effects and seeing that, there's obviously some fan service because the big three are back, but knowing that it's a completely new story and the way that he handled the Star Trek movies, I maybe I'm going to get in trouble with this, but I'm not nervous at yeah. all. And uh, I just can't imagine the, the response after the after the movie is when the credits roll at the end. What's going to happen when the lights come up? What's going to well? You're going to going to be the it, people people going to be bawling people. Are gonna be, cheering like sprinting around like what is sprinting to your car to get to the next loop? The, you, know, <laughs> you, you guys yeah you guys get to go to the see it before i do i'm gonna go to right. the second screening that i'm meeting y'all at after y'all see it for the first right. time so i can't wait to hear the stories about yeah, that the response is gonna be incredible I, I wonder how much cosplay there's gonna be in the um uh, by the way did you see the article that uh amc and regal i think or maybe cinemark are setting rules for cosplay. They're yeah. actually putting up official rules for uh, Star Wars cosplay, and basically it's nothing that looks like a weapon. No yeah. blasters and no uh, – I think it's no lightsabers. That can be – well, lightsabers that can be – that are anything but just straight cheap plastic, I think is what the, the rule is. But nothing that could be um, – mistaken for or represented as a weapon can yeah, allow a thin line with that stuff nowadays. Yeah. Letting them do that in theaters. Yeah. That is yeah. interesting, but we are very close. 
We're getting closer by the day. How much Star Wars toys have you bought, Jason? I know Brian is. (laughs) I'm not a collector. Yeah, I know that's crazy, but uh, I've never been a collector. uh, Just been a fan. I've always been well of anything. I'm not a collector in general. Like there, there are lots of things that I've loved over the years. But you know, when I was at, I I was at Disney World a few years back, and I got a a Mickey Mouse Jedi, uh, and that's about the only thing that one of the only things that I've ever bought. It's just, I've never been a collector. Like I like to read comics, but I just assume borrow them from somebody and read them when I was a, a kid and a teen. Um, and I love watching the movies over and over again and reading the books. And I, I read one of the new star Wars books, by the way, you know, and so I, I really get into it and I can get into the source material, but I like to digest it. I like to interact with it and enjoy it. But um, I've never been a collector uh, of all the things that I've gotten into over the years. You're going to have to come on and give us your thoughts on one of our Star Wars Marathon episodes, whether it's for Force Awakens or for the trilogy, original trilogy. I'm down. We'll talk about that at some point. Yeah. Probably, Wait, I, my, probably Force my Awakens. My understanding was that we were going to record a podcast at roughly 1.30 a.m. <laughs> after we've all seen it a couple of times. Yeah. That- just I think we should do that me. immediate yeah. reaction. Y'all should <laughs> do gonna, a podcast be in the a lot car on the Star way Wars. to the next theater. <laughs> How about that? It'll be a lot of Star Wars uh, content because we we also have we have listeners that book that one too. So we're gonna have to like I think double up. I think it's I think up. we already agreed to three podcasts just for Force Awakens, yeah, and then awesome. gonna have to. We're doing we're a do... original trilogy marathon mm-hmm. episodes yeah. as well. We're, those are two weeks away, I think, at this point. We've scheduled those, so yeah, we're working. Yeah, I'd love to. I, I love the original and despise the prequels pretty hard. So, uh, pretty, pretty. We should have made this the prequel. We should have talked prequels tonight. We made a mistake, <laughs> Jason. We need to have you on for prequels since you hate them so much. <laughs> oh, uh, I, I'm pretty sure, not to go into specifics. But I'm fairly sure, sure uh, Brian was baiting me in a text conversation I was a part of a couple of days ago. <laughs> like I think he was actually telling someone else what to text. Yeah, just much. set me off. Yeah, that's pretty much exactly what was happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank right. you for text messages. Yeah, whoever invented those. <laughs> well, that's all I had. That's all I okay. wanted to talk about oh, uh, for movie news. Star Good Wars. stuff. Good stuff. And Star Wars. I mean, that's a pretty complete pod just right there. <laughs> see you guys we'll later. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs> Please see the movie, and we'll uh, see you at the cinema. Goodbye. Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you. Do you own a small business, or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people, but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Well, let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. Well, let's talk a little bit of Rocky, fellas. 
Who wants to start this one? Jason, go ahead. <laughs> All right. Um, Rocky the original, not Rocky Balboa, 2, 3, 4, 5, or Creed. Um, I had seen We can give this... thoughts on those two as well if you want. This could be right. a, rock, a pre, pre-Creed Rocky. Well, there you go. Episode. Um, somewhere in my past, and Brian and I were talking about this earlier, about whether or not we had actually seen it all the way through before this viewing. I, somewhere in the past, I know I did. I had a, I had a vague memory of, of watching it all the way through, and of course I've seen parts over the years. But this is the first time that I actually um, really sat down and, and focused in and, and dialed in for the, the entirety of the film. And um, I try to not be distracted when I'm watching these uh, watching for something like this. And, um, I, I don't know where to start. Rocky's kind of a, it's kind of an odd classic. Um, it, it is of course considered one of the, 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 the classic films of American cinema. And there's the, the statue up in Philadelphia. And I think the quote was something like, uh, Rocky did more in six months for the, image of Philadelphia or he's done the most since um, I think they said Benjamin Franklin for the image of Philadelphia, something Mm -hmm. along those lines. Um, And in a lot of ways, it's a, it's a really great, tremendous film, but then in a lot of ways, it's also an extremely flawed film. And uh, I don't know. And we'll get into specifics here in a minute. There's certain aspects of it that I don't know how well they would hold up now, but not, because of poor filmmaking, but just because of, of, of shift in culture and, and shift in um, sort of filmatic sensibilities, I, I, I guess is what I would say on that point. Um, do we want to start with a, a recap of the plot, I suppose, for those who sure. may not be super familiar? Um, for those who might not be super familiar. With we spoilers, all have- because you can't spoil a movie that's – Four years old. <laughs> uh, we all know what the Indy fights Apollo Creed, but the plot of the movie is that you have Rocky Balboa, who's a very street level character in the film, played very remarkably well by Sylvester Stallone. I'm more familiar with him from uh, his later films, where a lot of times he turns into a caricature of himself, or he's just being ridiculous on screen over the top cliffhanger. I mean, there's just some stopper. My mom will shoot uh, <laughs> even the expendables. There's just some, there's some bad Sylvester Stallone out there. Uh, but in 1976, when they filmed Rocky and he played the title character, he is doing some really, really good work. It's small. It's subtle. It's on point. It's fantastic work. He plays a, a street level boxer who at the beginning of the film wins a fight and only gets about $40 from it. Um, and he also works as sort of a, a little bit of street muscle for kind of a a small town crime thug, I guess is what we call him. Just sort of hustling every day, making a little bit of money here, a little bit of money there. Very, very real, very, very raw. Well, then you find out that Apollo Creed is the heavyweight champion of the world and has a 
fight scheduled in Philadelphia coming up, and five weeks out from the fight, his opponent breaks his hand, I believe, and is unable to fight. So they start calling the list of contenders, and nobody's willing to take on the champ with only five weeks of work. So they decide to make it a spectacle. So what they'll do is, since it's going to be January 1st, 1776, to celebrate America's birthday, they're going to give someone the opportunity to live the American dream and fight the heavyweight champ for the actual belt. Apollo Creed goes through a book, picks Rocky because he's white and Italian and he thinks it'll sell. And from there, we're on. The rest of the movie is Rocky training, overcoming struggles in his personal life and his physical health to be ready for the fight. And the movie ends with – and we'll come back to the ending in a bit because it's it, it deserves some time. Uh, and the movie ends with the very, very famous fight between Rocky Balboa and Apollo Creed uh, in Philadelphia for the heavyweight championship. And the rest is history. <laughs> and that's it. So let's get back to Star Wars. <laughs> no um go ahead brian sorry okay sorry he was yeah no it's a uh i don't i'm with i'm with jason i don't know that i ever sat down and watched this movie from beginning to end I've, i'm sure i've seen it all several times on tnt or tbs or something like that but i don't think i'd ever made it an appointment to sit down and watch the movie i think i may have been the one who nominated Stallone for uh, for American Treasure back whenever that was uh, because I think Stallone is one of the smartest guys in Hollywood and he would ne- he doesn't get credit for it because he sounds like he's been punched in the face seven thousand <laughs> times, um, <laughs> which is probably true. But uh, thirty two hundred from this movie. <laughs> yeah, seriously. He this is a really great script. He he wrote a great script it's for this. So good. And it's it's kind of cr- like I didn't know that until I don't know, maybe 5 years. You know something like it, it was definitely well into my movie watching life that I found out that that Stallone had written this film and uh and it's it's so well written and his performance is fantastic and it's it it holds up. It's amazing how well that holds up 40 years later. Uh, in a, you know, there is some similarities to like, I, I don't think anybody expected this movie to be as big as it turned out to be. Mm-hmm. And so it is a small movie that kind of gets on a, a, a chug and train in a way, which is cool. Like that doesn't, we don't get that too often anymore because we have such huge hype machines built. I mean, we've been seeing Star Wars trailers for a year, you know, yeah. and, and so it's hard to have a movie that is this that starts out so small and and gets that kind of huge attention uh, later on. I mean, there's certainly examples of it, but it doesn't happen a lot. And I, this is one of the better examples of that kind of phenomenon. I think I think uh, Stallone's performance holds up really well. I think that the scripting holds up really well, and the the culmination of the of the whole movie. Is still fantastic. It's always been a great scene, and it it you know it still is today. And the build up to it is great. There are you know there are some there are some elements that aren't the best and maybe don't look great forty years later. It Tolly Shire, yeah, <laughs> Tolly Shire's performance. I don't know that it's her fault. I'm not going to say it's her fault. Yeah. she's written in a way that is very 1970s and mm-hmm. and that's fine it's it was the 70s so it was but like 
there's some hint that maybe she's retarded in the early going, and then that's <laughs> definitely not the case in the back. Oh, yeah, they do say that yeah. word numerous times, I remember. I, yeah, yeah. They and do. I, I don't mean that disrespectfully. I hope it didn't come across. She, she, it's it's vague as to what her deal is. As it turns out, she's just the girl from She's All That. She just needs to take her glasses off. And, yeah, and she's <laughs> super shy, and she just needs... <laughs> He's the Italian stallion to bring her out of her shell, but it is—it's very odd the way that that it uh, that it carries on um, for a while, and the the scene where they finally get together is very uncomfortable. Um, and yeah, anyway, so that was that was something. Um, Polly as a whole definitely i like could if they cut every if they put out a, a poly free cut of this movie i think it would be yeah 12 percent better his character is terrible and you know, really you know, frustrates me so brian can i can i go for it because people some people love poly but i was cringing every time he was on the screen i hate poly yeah but i'm saying that as a testament to the the scripting and the actor um uh, like he's one of my, I've got a category here where I'm, I'm calling a great character and he's also in the, um, category of things <laughs> that are kind of tough to, uh, to explain there. Yeah. Uh, because on the one hand he's, well, on the one hand it's casual, unchecked, uncommented upon alcoholism, <laughs> you know, which is just kind of a, kind of a deal. Yeah. He's nobody says anything about it in the film. Nobody, right. There's no consequence, but he's slipping a drink all the time, and you can tell when he's drunk because he gets super mad, and you can tell when he's sober because he's kind of nice, and he definitely brings a hooker to the fight at the main event. <laughs> um, but but the thing is, it's like I I hated watching those scenes, like when he's screaming at Adrian or he's screaming at Rocky. But I think it's I think that's. I hesitate to say good, but I think that's a success as far as the director's concerned. He was nominated, by the way, for a Best Supporting Actor. Um, I think that's something that I would call a success as as far as the actor playing Polly and uh, the director are concerned. They, I, I, he's so convincing to me as that absolute great a jerk that I, I have I would have a hard time believing him in anything else. Because he's so scuzzy, he's so jerkish. He's such a, just a, a supreme jerk to Adrian. Like like she flees the house because he's verbally abusive. Right. And I don't like watching it. I hate the character. I don't enjoy it. But this movie, one of the things that makes this movie, what the script, and 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 I agree with you completely. The script is, it is so good. But one of the things that makes this movie great is because the characters are incredibly small and raw and right. real yeah and the alcoholic brother in philadelphia just being mean right that guy definitely threw batteries at good Santa. grief yeah. good grief man <laughs> i mean i i hated it but as far as the performance and the consistency and the world in which he exists i mean that guy nailed it man he nailed it yeah i mean Look, it's it's probably a better performance than I credited it as, but like, you now, know, when, when you know, Miles Teller is really good as a high school alcoholic in the Spectacular now, but I <laughs> but I hated that. I hated him in that. You know what I mean? Like, it there were I think 
maybe saying cut Polly out of the movie is is an overstatement, but could I get like twenty percent less Polly? Maybe would be my. That's fair. I, I, just, I, I could there were that. scenes where I was just like, oh my gosh, this guy is just screaming in my face, and I get I, that he that's the role and all that sort of stuff, but I felt like the point had been driven home by that by that juncture, and I was just kind of I was kind of done with with seeing Polly, but the I will say this the the way in which Rocky especially, but Adrian too, the way in which they interact with him when he is drunk versus when he is sober is is phenomenal phenomenal writing and so well acted and that's something that i don't that's a very real and genuine piece of uh piece of acting and uh i don't that's that's tough to duplicate that's tough to duplicate i guess is what i would say can't what about you give us your 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 thoughts your your general thoughts this movie amazes me not from a dramatic standpoint not from a even enjoyability standpoint just from a historical standpoint what what this movie has become what it spawned uh-huh. not only with stallone but with sports movies right it's just incredible to go back and watch it and to see even the, see the cliches what we see now and all the movies think about how many thousands of times this movie's been spoofed over the years you know yeah it's yeah. iconic it really is and uh it, it there's some Goosebumps worthy moments still when I watch it. I think there's some great, great moments, some very cinematic moments that you could put on any, you know, Hollywood montage and they would fit right in there. Uh, right. A best picture winner, this was. Yeah. Uh, also won three other Oscars for uh, best director and best editing. And I think the editing in this movie is great. Even yeah. today, the fight scenes hold up very well. Um, considering they probably weren't really punching each other, they do a very good job, even with sound editing and things back then. Tools that they didn't really have digital editing for, right? And a lot right. of practicality was put into this movie because it was a very, very low budget. It's a very interesting story. Just the whole Stallone writing the script in a few days and really being a nobody, and then like somebody gets a hold of the script and wants to buy it from him. Like, wow, this is one of the best scripts I've ever read. I want to make this movie, but. No one knows who you are. You can't star in it because you're a nobody. You're just some dude, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, you're done. it. <laughs> you know, it's like I, we yeah. can't, we, sir. We can't understand what you're saying. This, this character has to be audible. You have to. Yeah. We don't that, do the silent pictures anymore, Rock. We're gonna need you to talk. Yeah. This is yeah, a talking. Definitely need some, some subtitles at times. and uh lo and behold you know one best actor nomination later and a best you know screenplay nomination later the rest is history with sylvester stallone and like you you have said and i'll reiterate very underrated personality and talent in hollywood he's he's been spoofed his his whole persona has been spoofed as just kind of an expendable guy you know no pun intended but he he's great and an American treasure, 150%. And it started here. And I'm anticipating Creed. And I, I was going to revisit this movie anyway, If we even if we weren't going to revisit it on an episode. This is a perfect opportunity for a throwback to it because it comes out sure. next week. I don't even know if we'll get to it because The Good Dinosaur comes out the same day. And sure. I know we'll probably do a podcast on that because we uh, usually like to do Pixar movies. But we'll yeah. probably at least talk Creed. But I wanted to just kind of anticipate it. And I was thinking it's a great 
series and franchise to reboot. I, I think yeah. Creed is going to be a re- more of a reboot than it is a sequel. I think that that's I think that's what they're hoping for. Mm-hmm. I, I think they would like to be able to carry this into the next generation with, and Michael B. Jordan is is a great guy to uh, mm-hmm. to bank on. I think for that. I think. I think. I'm not 100 percent sure because Fantastic Four still. Has a little bit of stink to it, but um, I don't think that was. I, I said at the time, I thought he was the guy that comes out of that unscathed. We have sort of in this stage of Stallone's career, uh, him kind of doing the um, the bucket list of things. He's he's closing out the stories of Rambo. He's closing out the stories of um, Rocky Balboa. He's doing movies with his friends in the uh, Expendables. And I guess I hadn't looked too deeply into the Creed because I just assumed it was Sylvester Stallone wanting to put a bow on the character Rocky Balboa and send mm-hmm. him out the way that he was and run some parallels between how Rocky had to come up off the streets and make his name. And now he's helping Apollo Creed's kid do the same thing. But now you guys are mentioning uh, the possibility of it being a franchise and that doesn't that that would be different than what I was expecting. And I'm just curious if you know something that I don't know in that regard. I would think this would be more of a passing the torch scenario. Yeah. You get Stallone mm-hmm. in this one to say, you could do this kid. You can win. Just believe in yourself. And then, <laughs> and then Creed Creed Jr. wins, and the next one, maybe you have Rocky's kid fighting him or something like that, and it's another <laughs> the Italian, the junior Italian stallion or something. And then like in that. Creed Four, he can fight like a 6'7 Chinese <laughs> boxer. No, actually, uh, Yao Ming. Yao Ming, fight <laughs> Yao Ming and then go to China on Christmas and – Tell them if you can change and I can change, then we can all change and bring down communism. Exactly. One of the more interesting things uh, about Rocky, and you kind of mentioned it when you were talking plot, uh, Jason. It's one of my favorite scenes of the movie and one of the more well-scripted scenes, one of the more applicable scenes to today is when they're scheduling the fight against Apollo Creed, when Apollo Creed is booking his opponent, if you will. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I like that he... He says he doesn't pick him because of his um, record or anything like that, or if he thinks he's a good fighter or it's going to be somebody that he could beat or whatever. He picks him because his nickname is the Italian Stallion, not because he's American and Italian, like you said, but because his nickname was the Italian Stallion and it would look good on a poster. I think that was a very, I think that was a very poignant way to put that uh, even then. And it holds up today is because the marketability plays such a big factor in professional sports and professional right. boxing not not Especially, only of professional yeah. sports but entertainment in general and lo and behold that's what happened like imagine if ronda rousey's name was like agatha jones or something you know there's some <laughs> random like fran buck or something you know there's some no one would care it's ronda rousey it's rowdy rousey you know i don't yeah. know yeah that's there's a lot of the stuff that goes into that um I, yeah that's true, and especially with with fighting, especially boxing or UFC yeah. or whatever else. That's a great. It's a, well, it's great, a great scene. Yeah, it's a fantastic scene. Uh, there's a satire out there called the Great White Hype that mm-hmm. that's the entire plot of the film is is essentially that scene. Really? Yeah. Kevin Bacon in it? No, no. It's uh, <laughs> no, that's it's a great. What? There's another. All right, now I have to look it up. The air up there. That's what that is. No, this is this is Sam Jackson. Yeah, that's right. Cheech Marin, uh, Jeff Goldblum. Uh, oh gosh, I'm blanking on 
most of them. Uh, Damon Wayans Jr. Uh, who's the guy who directed a lot of the 30 for 30s? Berg. Peter Berg is one of the actors in it. Friday Night Lights, Peter Berg, yeah. Yeah, Peter Berg. Uh, but it, the entire plot hinges around basically that type of scene, creating a contender that'll sell that has nothing to do with nothing to do with uh, boxing or technique or, or anything along those lines. I don't recommend anyone seeing it, but you know, it's, it's out there. Yeah. Also, sorry. I confused that with the air up there. I don't know what, <laughs> what that came from. The air up there is a, is a basketball movie about Kevin Bacon recruiting Manute bowl essentially. So yeah. there you go. I don't know why. I don't know. I don't know. Like a peace, Sorry. Uh, like a peace corps worker or something. No, he, he's like an assistant basketball coach. That anyway, it's it's not a good movie either. So there's your great weekly. Can't you got any terrible movie to recommend <laughs> while we're you at want to talk about Air Bud or something? Jeez, this is a great oh, one man. called Now You See Me. It's, uh... <laughs> You'll love the camera work. Speaking of camera work, Brian, great transition. Oh, a little another piece of trivia here: the inventor of the Steadicam. This mm-hmm. is kind of his show-off movie. Interesting. New technology. What a better way to show off a Steadicam than to run upstairs. Yeah. Ran up the stairs to film Sylvester Stallone going up the stairs of the Philadelphia Art Museum. And the rest is history. Yep. Again. One of, one of the more iconic scenes from the a Very iconic. and it's, it's a huge... I think uh, that scene is, is great when they're following him running through the streets and everything from the sweatsuit to the... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Camera angles, the steady cam following it and everything. Yeah. Um. But man, that song when it comes in yeah. that I played yeah. earlier in the episode, when the, when the when the theme comes in and he yeah. runs up the stairs for the last time before the final fight, it's just that's the goosebumps moment that I was talking about. It's still great. It's very yeah. cinematic and that scene is great. But I've seen that scene so many times just in yeah, montage. So have I. Like but that. it still holds up. Yeah, so it, it, it does for still, me, especially when you get the context. Yeah, it's yeah. still a great scene. The one that that got me the most and I'm stealing from our, our, our friend, our listener, Armando, who's a buddy of mine from, from high school. This is his favorite movie. And so when we decided we were going to do this, I, I emailed him or I, I messaged him and said, Hey, you got to send me your thoughts on Rocky. And I, I want to know, cause you, you probably know more than I do. And the scene that he mentioned that is the one that stuck out to me too, is when he, when Rocky goes into the, the arena the night before and sees his poster and looks at the ring and all that stuff like that was the scene that and then goes home and and tells adrian you know has this big moment of like can i that he can't he doesn't think he can do I it can't and be, he's stuff. in another yeah. league yeah it, that's, that's a great scene too an incredible scene that isn't yeah you know, i'm not saying that's any any better or worse than the climbing up the stairs it's just not one that I've seen 100 million times, you know? And so that was the one that kind of stuck out to me and gave me the goosebumps of, oh, that's well, such, a, and, such a great sequence. And his little his little thing there at the end where he says, he doesn't think he can win, but if he can make it all 15, right. that would he be just wants something. To go to the distance. Yeah. He just wants to go to the distance. And that's right. such a, gosh, this movie has so many poignant and powerful moments like that. that yeah. The, the yeah, fact that the whole, that really the entire, you <laughs> The, the, I don't want to get too far into the specifics, but that that's the whole point for him yeah. is just to go the go the distance. It's not even to win the fight. Like that's mm-hmm. a very that's a unique part of this film that you know you watch any sports movie. I'm not a, as much as I love sports. I don't love 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 sports movies in general because they kind of follow a pattern pretty much every time out. 
and this is one that doesn't in, in any way doesn't yeah. follow a pattern and that's part of what makes it so good uh while we're talking the 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 chill moments the biggest one for me is it's actually in the fight and uh i think it's in the 14th or 13th or 14th where rocky gets knocked down again <clears throat> and uh mickey who we haven't talked about burgess meredith yet and we should uh you know mickey's screaming at him to stay down and apollo starts you know he starts dancing a little bit and you see rocky get up and then the camera goes back to apollo's face and you see apollo's reaction to rocky standing back up and it's just it's incredible yeah like there's so much disbelief and, and then right after that they show adrian seeing rocky stand back up to take more punishment and and like there's so much fear on her face and she's dying with him but in that frame of he just wants to finish and the fact that he stands back up but seeing mm -hmm. everybody just stare at him in disbelief like i'm getting chills now like it was yeah. incredible yeah. right yeah speaking of the scene you mentioned brian in mm -hmm. the theater or in the arena the night before yeah um mm -hmm. when he points out that hey that's the wrong color of my trunks. My trunks are white with red stripes. Those are red yeah. with white stripes. That's actually because that was actually a mistake. They did print the wrong thing. Oh, really? That's and cool. um, they couldn't because there was on such a tight budget right. um, that they couldn't go back and get A, a different banner or B, different shorts. So they wrote in that scene of him saying, hey, this is the wrong thing and made it a funny little moment. But that would have never happened had that mistake not happened and there man. there are three of those happy do you know the other accident. two what do you know the other two little happy accidents go for it maybe i do yeah i, I was reading about this today because i love that too and i think it actually makes it a little bit better because he's such he's so disregarded as a contender they didn't mm -hmm. even worry about getting his post they don't even care yeah um the robe that they ordered was like four sizes too uh -huh. big <laughs> so they they or they didn't order it too big it just came too big and they didn't want they didn't want it to look like it was a mistake that they didn't know how to make a movie. So that's when he starts uh, teasing Adrian. He's like, does this robe look too big? It's mm -hmm. not too big, is it? You know, and he's sort of poking fun at it and it plays really nice in this little human moment, but mm -hmm. it's because the robe was too big and they wanted to cover it up. So they wrote dialogue. Uh, and then the ice skating scene was supposed to be, like a crowded ice skating rink, but they realized they didn't have the money for a hundred extras to fill it out. So on the fly, they changed the scene to, well, let's, let's have the place be closed because it's Thanksgiving and it's night and he has to bribe the attendant to skate mm -hmm. for 10 minutes. And instead of sort of a cliched ice skating scene, we get this very small, intimate well, one -on -one uh... conversation in this great cinematography in this empty arena and this very sweet moment between Adrian and Rocky and then hilariously filled in by occasionally hearing the worker from off camera, eight minutes, six right. minutes. <laughs> like it's a magnificent scene. And it's, it's like you said, Ken, it was a happy accident. I wish they had focused more on the, the last time I watched it, this most recent time, I wish they had focused more on his like jobs outside of boxing Mm -hmm. like his kind of like a hitman kind of stuff <laughs> yeah. the hint at, you know at the beginning him roughing people up for 20 bucks right i, I want more of that like in the dark maybe he that's probably, what apollo creed's son does yeah. on the side he's kind of like a gangster yeah you probably get way more of that if if rocky is made today you know because that's what i want because of our I obsession with the yeah. with the anti-hero 
Um, I had no clue that that was that took me completely by surprise. I'm not 100 percent sure I've ever seen those scenes before. Very surprising. And I wish they had talked more about it. Burgess Meredith is the man and his Mickey was absolutely incredible. Uh, The first line he has in the movie is just him screaming, shut up (laughs) at at Rocky, which is just amazing. What Uh, I wanted to say was. Oh, go for it. The, the the scene where they say um, uh, where Apollo Creed's finding Rocky and pointing out the Italian stallion, they say they want to find somebody to live the American dream, uh, kind of rigging the fight in their favor, if you will, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, without actually rigging the fight or saying they're going to throw the fight. I wish they, when they came to Rocky with the idea, they wouldn't have told him, "Hey, this is a rigged thing. You're going to find you. You're going to fight this guy." You know, I wish they had said, "Hey, Rocky, you got a shot at the title." You know, and he he wouldn't have known that it was a whole setup thing until after the fight or something like that for dramatic effect. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. That he but didn't I know it was say... a bit. Like if if Rocky didn't know it was right. a bit, because that's okay. why he yeah. he felt humiliated. Yeah. He's like, I can't fight this guy. He's some heavyweight champ. Like, yeah, he didn't think he was up to his level. He knew it the whole time. Um, I I would have thought it would have been an interesting plot point if he didn't know that it was set up until the end. Um. Mm-hmm. By the way, that touches on an amazing line by the uh, trainer, by Apollo's trainer in that fight. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, Apollo gets knocked down in that first round, which is just a thrilling scene. Like when that happens, like I almost leapt out of my seat. It was so exciting when he knocked down Apollo and the crowd loses their mind. But they get over to the corner and Apollo's uh, trainer looks at him and goes, you know, he doesn't know it's a show. He thinks it's a fight. Yeah. Which is an incredible line. line. Incredible line. Absolutely. Wow. Um, what else stuck out this last viewing? I'd like to add my, my favorite scene in the whole thing, and then I think I can I can pretty much be quiet. Uh, oh my I, God. Ugh. Yeah, right? Um, I'm going to have to listen to myself. That's the worst. <laughs> that first press conference is fantastic. It is, yeah. I, it is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, you have You have Creed up there, and he's so smooth, and he's talking about – you know, who he's going to be facing and being in Philadelphia and he's so slick. And then they put, uh, they, they, they put Rocky up there to, uh, and this is they're they're watching at home. You see Rocky and Adrian and Polly watching on the, the bad old TV. And you have, uh, they, they put a, uh, Rocky on the mic and the dude just totally chokes. Like he's not looking up. He's, he's shuffling the whole time. Like, well, uh, the champs really uh, tough. What are you going to do? Well, uh, he's the best, so I'm just going to do the best I can. You know, he's just stumbling. He's not saying anything. Uh, and then he gets to the end, and it's just hysterical because uh, just say no comment. Oh, yeah, I got no comment. <laughs> hey, can I uh, Hey, can I say hi to my girlfriend real quick? And his eyes get huge and wide, and like a little kid, he's like, Yo, Adrian, it's me, Rocky. Yeah. And it's hilarious. Yeah. And it's so childlike. And then it cuts back to them watching on the couch and they're so proud of themselves. Like right. they're giggling yeah. and she's like so excited. I think that is that so was a funny scene. Yeah. It was incredible. It was so small and hilarious and sincere. Yeah. And I, I, I loved it. Like I think it was my favorite scene. It didn't have the chills of the fight or the the soaring moments of the music and the steps, but mm-hmm. It was so real and so well acted and funny. I loved that scene. Totally. Yeah, it's it's funny how 
it's amazing to me having watched having sat down and watched this like this that uh, how how so genuine this this movie is i think that's just what so many sports movies miss is the gosh like the the humanity of the characters you know he kind of gets wrapped up in the the idea of just you know of the narrative i guess or or more more than the narrative the cliche of the narrative you know and how we've got to we've got to progress along this timeline and this is what we do and so you kind of miss that that aspect of it and this just man rocky nails it it's so it's just it seems it almost seems like you're watching a documentary at times and that's that's such a i mean that is a huge compliment um and it's it's they go, watch they go way you, more for the fun, inspirational uh, vibe rather than like a movie like Raging Bull where it's just straight yes, drama and the yes. grit and grime of boxing. Right. And right. There's two different ways to go about it, I guess. Yeah. And this is the best of the other way. Um, I guess we should, though, since we're, we're sort of dancing around it anyway, we need to talk about the final frames. We need to talk about the last 30 seconds of the movie because I think that speaks to Brian's point about what is the movie really about, mm-hmm. you know, and what's the point to Rocky. Um, and uh, well, I'll, I'll just – I'll do the spoiler part of it. Uh, you have this incredible moment where the fight's over. And we've seen it a thousand times, but the 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 in in replays. But the fight's over, and they're trying to interview him about the fight. And Rocky's just screaming for Adrian, mm-hmm. looking yeah. for her, wanting her. And in the background, and I think the editors did a great job of this. In the background, you 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 hear them say it's a split decision. They say the first judge gives it to Apollo, and you hear him cheer. You see Apollo cheer, and around that time, Adrian's getting there, and. I don't even think you can hear them say that the second judge gives it to Rocky. You might. I might have missed it. Because at the end, when she finally gets up to Rocky, they're saying, I love you, I love you. And in the background, like a throwaway, you hear the announcer say, the winner of the right. fight, Apollo Creed. Right. Because it's not about who won the fight. Like it the was whole not movie a has it's such a B story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to the and, whole he's not movie. Paying, yeah. and Rocky's paying no attention. Right. He doesn't care. Yeah. It's it's incredible. It's incredible. Yeah, that's and that's such a cool moment and such a unique touch to that script. Again, <laughs> Sylvester Stallone sounds like an idiot. Total genius. Like that's it's just it's amazing the way that he's able to put this that script together. The script is so good yeah. on this film. Also, it, it I just would, it realized that the score did not win best pick, best uh, score. There's not the much of it though. There's not enough of it. To... It okay. did win. I think it didn't it, it win best, best original, original song. song. Maybe. No, it was nominated. It didn't win because you know Barbara Streisand has to get. Oh, hers. yeah, that so, happens. Yeah, but it wasn't nominated for original score. That's that's interesting. That is interesting. Uh, that is. The Omen won that year. Just <laughs> Obviously, I, yeah. That makes yeah. lots of sense. Well, what should we? What else should we talk about? Are we done what, here? Well, I want. I wanted to ask you guys. Do you where? I mean, I guess the let's talk about the franchise. I haven't. I haven't watched two, three, four, five in in quite some time. I don't know if you guys have, or if this is a if this is a a franchise that you you know delve into on a on a rel, on a frequent basis, or if you have any real attachment to any of those films. I think I've seen four far more times than any of the others I, I don't know why that is necessarily i guess it was just in the the tnt rotation more than others but the 
the eye of the tiger and, and Drago and all that sort of stuff yeah. is much more vivid yeah, in my mind cool. than anything else from, from this franchise. And that that's, that's interesting to me just personally, because I don't think that's not usually how it goes with franchises. Usually the first one's the one that kind of, that sticks with you, but four is four is my Rocky in some ways for, that sounds weird to say, but I've seen that one lots and lots of times. Um, I don't know if you guys have any attachment to the franchise as a whole. Not much attachment, but mm-hmm. I hear a lot of a lot of references to it, especially mm-hmm. working for a sports team. Sure. And yeah. I do like I said, do think it's a great series to reboot and yeah. to breathe new life into. Um at least the storylines. Maybe not the same characters, but maybe right. just play on some of the storylines and uh that they have established in the previous maybe the mr t's son could come in here and fight uh, apollo creed you know yeah we'll see what happens i'm down i got my fingers crossed maybe mr t himself comes out of retirement and he he never ages never does no he really doesn't uh i i've seen i'm with you brian i don't know why uh i don't know if four made the most money i kind of think it couldn't have because rocky made so much money and was best picture but four is definitely the one that I, I think of the most and have seen the most times. Um, and it's, it's why I was originally kind of nervous about, about Creed and about Rocky Balboa a couple of years ago, because it had it, it gotten so schlocky and so cheesy. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know how they were going to put the reins back on it. Right. Five uh, is a disaster. Five's a disaster. I barely remember it. Um, and, but now after watching the, the original, you can already start to see some some character parallels, and I and I feel like if they ground Creed in the the heart and soul of the nineteen seventy six Rocky, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think they've really got something. I think that's yeah. a story worth telling again. I think Michael B. Jordan's fantastic. I, I think that's I, I'm guardedly optimistic. Yeah, that I am this too. Could be something really yeah. special. Yeah, we'll see how it is. Yeah. <laughs> Before we go make these franchise claims for the new yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, totally, but. totally. But I, I'm with I'm with you, Jason. Like I think I am which is the good one, bullish or bearish? I always forget this. Do it you guys know? Okay, well I am bullish or bearish on listeners tweet me and tell me why I'm an idiot. Uh I'm I'm optimistic about Creed. I think it looks pretty solid. By the way, the Rocky Balboa from oh six or oh seven, whatever year that came out, that's not a bad film at all. That's a What's pretty enjoyable yeah. um a reboot attempt that I don't think quite worked out, but it was it was it's a pretty pretty decent little movie. So let's move on to grades then for Rocky original. I'll give it an A. Holds up, fun, inspirational. Yeah. It's paved the way, like I said, cinematically for a lot of films. Totally, yeah. And uh, excited for the reboot, Brian. Yeah, I'm gonna go the same. I'm gonna give it an A. Uh, I love. That you know those scenes that we've mentioned, the score is fantastic, the script is great, and I uh, love American Treasure Sylvester Stallone. Maybe maybe a little less Polly would give me an A plus, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was, it's very good. It holds up quite well, I think. Um, I was very impressed. It was fun to watch uh, in this this setting. Jason, how about you? Yep. I, I I pretty much have to go the same way. I, I could try to get snarky and pull it down to an A minus for something or. Uh, inflated up to an A plus, but script characters are just spot on, and I think they're so strong, and those moments are so strong, it overcomes everything else. And uh, on the strength of of the script and Rocky alone, it would be a solid A. So I'm going to go with an A as well. 
Wow. Three A's. Look at that. Look at that. Well, maybe we'll talk Creed if we have the time. If not, we'll cover it on our Creed cast, which is weekly (laughs) Creed podcast. (laughs) And you can download it on iTunes. It actually has more subscribers than this one, believe it or not. (laughs) Yeah, because the deal is you never know whether we're going to be talking about Apollo Creed or the band Creed. It changes week to week. Sometimes we don't even know. And every one of Scott Stapp's followers subscribe to that (laughs) podcast just in case. Yep. You never know. Just Scott Stapp's family and Scott Stapp. (laughs) Well, let's move on, guys. Let's give a recommend. Weekly recommends. Go ahead, uh, Jason. All right. Um, I actually changed my recommend during the podcast. Uh, which is what the typing you chided me for not too long ago. To create second uh, so album? I had to look okay, it up. Cool. No, uh, well, because I've been in a hole for a little while, and I was all set to recommend The Grinder because it's something my wife and I love, and we actually watched the latest episode right before I jumped on the pod here, and it was hilarious again. It's spot on. Uh, but this is a movie podcast, and I saw something on HBO a couple of days ago. Uh, it might be Showtime. I'm getting that for free right now. But I, I saw something a couple of days ago that was – kind of awesome uh there's a documentary out came out uh july 2015 it is about the rise and fall the death of the 1998 film superman lives that would have starred nicholas cage and the name of the documentary is the death of superman lives what happened and it's it's pretty awesome um you, you know when most uh well i don't want to say most a lot of the documentaries i watch you have a whole bunch of sane people and then one just absolutely crazy person who's getting interviewed for these things. Uh, it, it's it's very similar in that regard that the the director the uh, producer John Peters was in charge of this and he produced a fair number of of films that you've heard of. He's got Batman in 1989. He did Man of Steel in 2013. Wild Wild West. Um, he's got a bunch of of high profile produ- uh, production credits to his name and he was on he was on this film well in this documentary it's incredible because he keeps interviewing these peripheral players kevin smith who worked on one of the scripts uh the other screenwriter and i can't think of his name right now who um ultimately was the script that they used interviewed tim burden uh for this and everybody is very rational about what happened except John Peters, the producer and the, the combination of those and, and hearing about the, just the demise of this film um, and some of the directions they were taking from the beginning is just, it's, a, it's, it's really fascinating. And if you're into films, I think it's absolutely worth your time. It might be a bit before it streams. Uh, if you have HBO or Showtime and I apologize, I can't remember which one I watched it on. Um, check your on-demand service and see if you can just uh, bring it up, download it, whatever, and give it give it a chance. It's not terribly long; it's just over an hour and a half, and it's it's really interesting insight into the pre-production phase of a film because it never got to production; it never made it into production. Um, but there are still some very infamous stills of Nicolas Cage wearing the suit, and you have uh, screenwriters and producers talking about the proposed directions and the various script changes and some of the odd demands that the producer had. Uh, it's, it's a really interesting slice of filmmaking. That's worth your time and checking out. 
And just a ton of Kevin Smith. So just a ton. Just the of more Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith we can get, the better. Oh, there yeah. In all aspects uh, of life. He actually quips that this movie helped him uh, with his career because he learned that he may not. He said something like, "I learned that I may not be a great screenwriter, but I'm really good at talking about Superman Lives, and mm-hmm. I can make a career off of that." <laughs> yeah, I I did see the documentary, so I can back okay, that up yeah. as well. I might have recommended what's, it in what's the past. It called? What's the title again? The death, the death of Superman lives. And then, so, you know, death of Superman lives. Subtitle: What happened? Or postscript, or whatever that would be. Cool. Good recommend, uh, Brian. I'm going to recommend a film that I watched uh, last week. It is a it's sort of a, a biopic, which I'm not a huge fan of. It's pronounced biopic. <laughs> I don't know if it is or not or isn't, to be <laughs> honest with you. And I, I have always said biopic, and I've heard more people saying biopic lately. I it's and biopic. I, don't, it's I do too. Pick. I do too. But I've heard it by people who are not Jason say, oh, it's a, bio, <laughs> a biopic. And I'm like, no, that's that can't be the way to – anyway, uh, I'm not a huge fan of that genre um, because I, I don't know. I just get bored by it very quickly. This one was done so well, and I was so impressed by it. And uh, to the point of like, I'm going to go buy this movie and watch it 12 more times. And I, and I really, really enjoyed it. And I know Richard was a big fan too. If, if he wasn't at his cardigan convention, then he'd be here to back me up on it. But Kent, I definitely think you would like this. And I, I recommend it to Jason as well. Uh, it's called Love and Mercy. It's the story of Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys um, and just his – his wrestling with craziness, honestly, and uh, it's so well done. It it jumps back and forth between like 1989 Brian Wilson and peak Beach Boys Brian Wilson. Paul Dano plays young Brian Wilson, and John Cusack plays older Brian Wilson, and the insanity that is just revolving around their their life, his life at those those various times. So it kind of jumps back and forth and both performances are really good. Dano is really good, but you know, I kind of expect that from Dano. I don't know when the last time was that I enjoyed a John Cusack movie or a John Cusack performance. It might be high fidelity and that's like 15 years ago. And it gave me that feeling that I get sometimes when I watch a Sean Penn performance, I think, man, if Sean Penn was locked in all the time, how great would Sean Penn been? And that'd be, and that's kind of the vibe I got on John Cusack. I I thought he was just fantastic. The music's great. Um, you know, I think you know, the Beatles are obviously the band from that era. But I kind of grew up on Beach Boys more than more than uh, the Beatles, and so they kind of brought back some of my you know childhood and nostalgia too. But it sounds fantastic, and they uh, Bill Poland is the director and the crew. They really went above and beyond to uh, to get the sound right and to get uh, to make it. Uh, I don't know to, to be kind to that that sort to the the music of it. Not it wasn't brushed over, which I think happens a lot in uh, music biopics. It just kind of well, here he is recording the mu- the, mu- the the song. Okay, great, and now we're done. This was really. Um, stewed over the production of of this anyway it's a it's a great film it's probably going to be in my top 10 at the end of the year and i i quite enjoyed it so uh seek that one out it's not i don't think it's streaming anywhere yet but you're gonna so you're gonna have to 
venture out to a red box or something or or uh, on demand but it's i think it's definitely worth your your money sweet i'm gonna recommend an audiobook that i downloaded on audible.com forward slash mad for free well played sir i downloaded it for free on audible on our audible page so do that if you haven't claimed your free audiobook do that it is a great audiobook by a great human being a great american man named nick offerman this is his new oh, book. Nice. It's a new audiobook. He does the narration for it or the uh, reading of it. Well, that's it's almost called, enough on its own. Yes, it's called Gumption, Relighting the Torch of Freedom with America's Gutsiest Troublemakers. And it's just him talking about American heroes and why they're American heroes and what made them great and awesome and why we should be like them. I'm only on like the fifth chapter because it's a 12-hour audiobook. <laughs> so I'm like four hours in, and it's awesome, and it's Nick Offerman, and it's just – he's a great writer let alone a great uh, human being. Um, mm-hmm. So kind of, I, I want him to have a show on history channel. Like this, what this book is. It's like, <laughs> yeah, if, totally. if he had his own 12 hour yeah. show on history channel, talking about Here's what makes a man talking about. Yeah. Talking about why Benjamin Franklin was awesome. He, he compares James Madison to Bob Balaban and like why they're the same person. Oh wow. That's for, great. Because he was like the <laughs> Bob James Madison was like the Bob Balaban of Congress, you know, it's just kind of, really underrated like you don't notice him but you kind of look up man that guy's awesome you know (laughs) when you think about it more you're like man he really was good in that you know and that's just one example but really good audiobook and again got it for free on audible.com forward slash mad you can do the same and uh so i suggest that one if you go that route if you like nick offerman so that's my recommend uh brian where can we find you online you can find me on the twitter at bgill12 you can find my writing at can bait nope Got to do that over again. Sorry. Uh, you can find me on the Twitter at bgill 12 or you can find my writing at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. I've got something coming this week that uh, Richard and I worked on together. And can't you and I need to work on something together in the, in the near future. We uh, shall. We'll have to figure something out there. Uh, Jason, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at jdavidson214. And you can find my addition to Brian's blog about the Bond series at the com. Absolutely. We will do that. If you want to find our show online, you can go to madaboutmoviespodcast.com and find every single episode. You can donate your mount of choosing there to support us. And uh, if you want to find more of me, find me on Twitter at Kink Harrison. And until next time, we'll see you at the cinema. Hey baby, I hear the blues are calling Tossed salads and scrambled eggs And maybe I seem a bit confused Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegged (laughs) But I don't know what to do with those Tossed salads and scrambled eggs They're calling again Scrambled eggs all over my face they're making me ya-ya Your salad is rambling